standing in front of a group of people is not an easy thing. And so um, I know for some of you, you have some really great, powerful stories. And we, we are edified when you're able to share those. And I know that this is not everyone's cup of tea. And, and if you're willing, like if you're just like, I want to tell my story, but there's no way. Like at this moment, there's no way I'm going to stand up there. Talk to Jeff. He's over here. He would love to just capture a quick minute video even. And we can throw you on the screen. <laughs> you know, you can hide that Sunday in the back and you're up there on the screen giving your testimony. But we, we really want to be able to talk about what God is doing and edify one another because community is so important. We're finishing the book of Galatians today. Uh, we're in chapter six. And I kid you not, I've written this sermon three different ways. And you're going to get all three. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to really focus in on community and relationship. Because, I mean, when we think about these letters, they're personal. Sure, the letter of Galatians was written in a region to many churches. And Paul is trying to encourage them, and he's trying to help them see false teaching and to not move away from Jesus. He wants them to really be in a deep, rooted relationship with the Lord. And it's personal. And we'll see that today as we finish. And the one verse that just kept sticking in my mind was verse 11. And I'm just going to read it, but then I'll read the whole passage. But verse 11, it just says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It's personal to Paul. He, he knows people there. And he's like, I want the best for you. I want you to know Jesus more. I want you to love him more. I want you to walk with him more. He's like, it's, it's, I'm writing with my own hand. I want you to see that. And so as we go through this passage, that's going to be the focus is going to be on that personal touch that God has for us with him and with each other. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. We're going to read verses 6 to the end, and then we'll go through it. Father, I thank you for this book of Galatians. And in many ways, Lord, you have brought out some of the traditional uh, ways that we typically look at this book, but in so many ways through this series, you have just manifest your presence among us through the word. You have shown us who you are, and, and just as was preached last week, you're more about the revelation than the destination. You're more about us knowing you more deeply, walking with you more, and we're just so thankful that you love us with a steadfast, never-failing, eternal, always-and-forever love. And so may we see that today. Holy Spirit, will you help us to just have our hearts open would you break up fallow ground? Would you give us ears to hear? And may we just receive from you, God, the, just the love that you have for us and that we would see how you want us to live and walk in community. 
We thank you for this. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Starting in verse six to the end, and I'll just read through it. It'll be on the screen here. This is the ESV uh, translation that we're using. And, And Paul says this. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world." For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Paul starts here in verse six, and he says, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, this is typically used to say, pay your pastor. (laughs) You know, typically we talk about, you know, out of this passage and even out of 1 Corinthians 9, 11, it says this in 1 Corinthians, it says, If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So there's this sense of Paul has taught and the scriptures teach that we should care for those who care for the church, that that have a calling and, and have this as more of a vocation. And at times, Paul's bivocational. He's tent making and he's preaching and church planting and he's doing all this. And, and, he, and there's this sense of, hey, we should care for those who are giving of their life to edify the body of Christ. And this passage is typically used that way. It's like the one who teaches share all good things. So, you know, you should care for those who are on staff, those who are paid ministers in the church. And, and in some ways we think, well, I give to the church, I tithe, and I know that goes to the budget and the budget pays for my pastor. So I'm giving all good things. And, and, and that's a great use of this verse, but I think it, there's something a little bit deeper here that so often gets overlooked. I think Paul is talking more 
about fellowship because he uses this word share, koinoneto, where we get the word koinonia, or fellowship. And he says, with the one who teaches, share with them what you've received. He's talking about a relationship that's reciprocal. He's saying, as someone has poured into your life, share with them what God is doing. I mean, it's easy to take this verse and translate it to this place right here with the pastor and the congregation, but who is pouring into your life? Who is teaching? Who is the one who is just taking of their time and energy to disciple with you? Maybe they're your Paul and you're their Timothy, or maybe you guys are both Timothys in the Lord, you know, vice versa, but there's times where we're pouring in and there's times where we're receiving, and Paul says, to the one who is teaching, have fellowship with them. Share all those good things that God is doing. Tell one another how they have been encouraged and, and how they've been built up and, and how they have been uh, just transformed. Paul has this relationship in mind. It's, I think it's easy to think about it in that context because he goes back to Galatians 6.2 at the beginning of this chapter. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what is he saying? He's saying, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, give to one another, serve one another, and fulfill the law of Christ. So that means fulfilling the law of Christ just means you look more like Jesus when you're living in those ways. So live with one another in this way that builds one another up and, and, and encourages and brings the truth of God into each other's lives. It makes me think of the passage uh, in Luke chapter 10 with Jesus and his disciples. Now, Jesus sends out his disciples and he says, I want you to go teach and preach about the kingdom of God and, and cast out demons and heal the sick and let them know about the king and the kingdom. And they go out and, and the 72 come back, and, they're, and this is what they say in verse 17, they come back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're sharing with Jesus all that happened. So Jesus teaches them, and he pours into them, and they come back, and they're like, Lord, like you wouldn't believe what's going on. I think as a coach, man, like there's nothing more you love more than to see your athlete get that skill down or be able to accomplish that thing, you know? It's wrestling season, so that's going to be what's coming out of my mouth a lot in the months to come. But there's something about it when you're like showing this move and how to do it and how to execute it and when to use it properly and all that. And then the kid finally gets it, like the light bulb comes on, they're like, oh, and then they come off the mat, and there's big hugs and high fives, and everybody's excited. They're sharing, like, I did it. Like, did you see it? And we're like, I told you it would happen. I knew it, right? God does the same thing with us. He's pouring into us, and often he's using you to pour into each other. So as God is poured into us, we're pouring into each other. And we're like, I'm praying for you. You can do it. You can endure this circumstance. You can go through this trial. And then we do it. And we come back to that person. We're like, God did it. Look, what he, look at the good things he's done. Well, who's encouraged? Both are encouraged. 
Both are encouraged. There's been times that I have wanted to go back and work for Walmart. Do you know why? And so he's like, why? Why would you want to work for Walmart? Well, I'll tell you why. When I was a department manager and the price changes came down and the seasonal changes came down and the mod changes came about and all that, you know what? I did it. Boom. It's done. There it is. There's the result. I got to see it. I was like, yes. Pouring into lives is hard because I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I can't always see it. I hope that it's taking root. I hope that it's transforming. I hope that you're growing. I hope that you're seeing Jesus more and loving Jesus more. But until you come back and share those things, until you go back to your accountability partner, until you go back to your small group, until you go back to the Sunday school group you're in, until you go and give that testimony, until you stand up here and say, here's what God's doing, like we're not getting those good things shared. And so we're like, is God really working? Is God really transforming? He is. I think you'd be so blown away if we just took time and shared that good testimony of what God is doing, especially with the one who teaches. The one who's shared with you, poured into you, Paul says, share back. Look at verse 20. It says, nevertheless, Jesus says this to them, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name are written in heaven. What does he say? Yeah, we're going to have all these great things, and the testimony's good, and the works that we're doing are great. What do we rejoice about more? That we have relationship with God. Isn't that awesome? It's like all of these good things are good. Like share what you have with the one that teaches. Share the good transformation. Share all those wonderful works that you're doing. Do that. But you know what? In the end, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about those good works. In the end, it's about we have relationship with God. And he's doing this among us and in us and through us because of Christ. So Jesus focuses his disciples back to the main thing, which is relationship with God. So we do the same. Paul does the same here. He says, share with the one. Verse seven and eight. Now this is gonna feel like a, like a, a change in direction, but it's not. You're gonna have to stay with me, right? Verse seven and eight, he says, now do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, will will from the flesh reap corruption, excuse me. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So Paul seems, if you're just kind of reading through this and you're getting the end of a book, it kind of seems like he's like peppering us with all these last thoughts. Oh, well, sowing and reaping and, and do good for one another and share with each other. And it just seems like he's throwing these thoughts together. But I think he's staying in this line of relationship. And, and so he's saying this idea of sowing and reaping is something that we need to keep in mind as we're sharing and as we're receiving. And it's a, it's a, common, it's a common idea. You know, farmers reap what they sow. And they, they, they expect certain crops to come out of the ground when they put certain seeds in that ground. And in fact, this is a, a common analogy used in the scriptures. 
There was one farmer who went and sowed his field with good seed, and then his enemy came at night and sowed the seed of bad seed in the field. And then when it started to come up, the, the farm hands, those who were working the farm, come out and they're like, hey, I thought you used good seed. Like, this wasn't what we put out, was it? Like, did you have it? And the farmer says, well, just let it all grow because in the end, we'll sort it out. We don't want to lose the good. If we pull it up now, we will. So he says, let it grow. What's the point? The point is what you sow into that field is what comes out, right? This is a common understanding. So he's saying, don't, don't think that you're going to sow poorly in your, in your life and get good stuff back. He says, you're going to reap what you sow, So when the farmer plants his seeds, he expects those seeds to bear plants, and those plants produce fruit, and the the bearing of the fruit produces more seeds, and those seeds get planted, and there's that cycle. So what Paul says is, the one who teaches you the good word, plant that seed. The one who's sharing with you, like you're sharing all good things, what is that? A harvest? You had this seed, you had this truth of God, and you shared it with me, brother. And I took it, I just sounded like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I took it, brother. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I had to get out of my head or it would just been there all the time. So uh, you took the seed and you gave it to me and I put it in soil, good soil. And then a harvest comes out and I bring that good harvest to you. And I say, look what happened, right? And so Paul is saying, don't be deceived. You're, you're sowing. So someone is giving you good, good seed to plant into your life. The word of God, the teaching of Jesus, you're planting that into your life. So take action on it. Till up the soil of your heart. Remove the stones and those things that keep it from growing and allow that transformation of the spirit to take place and begin to bear fruit. Now, the fruit that blesses is, is talked about in Galatians chapter 5. That spiritual fruit is in verse 22 through 24. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so we see that Paul's talking about this this fruit that comes out because you have taken the seed, the word of God, you've planted into your life, and this is the the result. This is the, the good transformation that comes about by the Spirit of God. Now my notes are upside down. I'm all out of shape here. There we go. So there's an argument that happened in Corinth. And we went through 1 Corinthians a while back, and there was an argument that rose up even among us. Same argument. There was an argument that happened in Corinth about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and the argument goes something like this. Some would say that the gifts make one more spiritual. And in turn, because you're more spiritual due to those gifts, well, then you must be more spiritual than other brothers and sisters who do not exercise those gifts or have those gifts. That is bad reasoning and bad theology. That's not true. It's not the gifts of the Spirit that make us spiritual. 
It's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about. It's the fruit of the Spirit that makes us spiritual. Gifts are given. Gifts are given by God. We all will receive a gift. He tells us in the scriptures, all who come to Christ will have a gift. And you're to exercise the gift, whatever gift he gives you. And, and that is given. But character is grown. Godly character is grown. Now, we will not all have the same gifts, as the scriptures point out, but we are all to have the same character. We're all to have Galatians 5. Every one of us should look like that. Every single one of us. That's what God's doing in his people. And so he says, sow and you will reap a harvest. If you sow poorly, you sow to the flesh, well, then you will reap of the flesh. If you sow in the spirit, well, then you're reaping eternal life. You're reaping spiritually. You're being changed. You're transformed. Galatians 5 is coming out of your life. So then he says this in verse 9 of our passage, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So Paul says, exercise that character. You're, you're walking in it, exercise it. Keep at it. Keep doing it. Grow deeper in it. Get better at it. He says, keep going. Keep going deeper with God in these areas that transform you to look more like Jesus, to walk in the identity in which God gave you. You are a new creation. What's he say later in our passage? He says, Circumcision and uncircumcision don't matter, but what does matter? He says what really matters is this new creation. That's who you are. You operate out of that identity. Now, you may falter and sin and stumble, yeah, but that's not who you are. If you are redeemed by Jesus, you're not a sinner. You're a saint, and you operate out of that identity. I am redeemed. I am beloved. I am a child of God. I am a son of the most high God. He is my father. I am his son. And yes, I do falter at times in the flesh today. I'm still in this flesh. But that doesn't change who I am. It just means I need to get this uprooted. I need to work through it. Why? Because I need more Galatians 5 in my life. Something needs to get changed. I got to get the rocks out. I got to get the roots out. I got to till up my soil more. I got to get good seed in there more so I have a better harvest. I need to be transformed. But this is who I am. I know who I am, and I know where I'm going, and I know who my father is. So we operate out of that identity. We walk in that. And he says, and don't grow weary. You know, I, I planted a garden this year, and the last time we planted an in-ground garden where we tilled some soil was before we moved to uh, Wisconsin, so six years ago. So the last three years that we lived in Maryland, we had a garden in our backyard, and um, very much like Wisconsin, the people who garden there, they're so much better at it than I am. And they really like to show, show me and tell me like what I could do better. <laughs> but I did a garden. And there was that moment where I did pretty good at the beginning. It looks all right, and you know, I'm putting in the work. And then you're like, okay, well, I got to put a fence up because the deer are going to start coming around. And then I got to make sure, I never did get rid of the mole. That little guy, yeah, I tell you what, next year, he's mine. But 
you know, then the grass starts to grow and the weeds start to come. And it's just like, oh my goodness. And, and then you take that one break over, it, it just is, it's like a weekend. You just like, we're going to take the weekend off. We're going to go do something or whatever. And you come back and it's like Monday. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Voof, with all the grass and the weeds and stuff. You're like, where did that come from in two days? You know, and you walk out there and you go to, you know, to get it all pulled up and to take care of it so it doesn't overrun your plants. And what do you do? You do that big sigh before you get started. And the first thought is, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, it's like, it's my wife's fault. She wanted the garden. <laughs> you don't grow weary, though. You got to tend to it. You got to keep at it. You keep working and you keep going. I could have given up and I could have had stuff dying on the vine I could have had a little produce. I could have had stuff choked out. I could have got something out of it. I could have just walked out there and been like, hey, look, we actually got stuff. You ever have wild like raspberries and stuff in your backyard and you're just like, hey, what a blessing. You did nothing. You didn't tend to it, didn't do anything, but there's some fruit out there and you're like, great. That could have been my garden. I could have been like, hey, there's some tomatoes. Okay. You know, but we had produce for the whole season. Now, I didn't plant enough to give me extra. That's next year. Like this year, I was just kind of getting back into the swing, right? But I had to keep at it. I could, have, I could have let it go. I could have given up. And if I had given up, then there wouldn't have been a harvest. It's the same with us spiritually. I mean, we go through hard things. We go through some tough seasons. And you do that spiritual groan, and you're just like, oh, what is the point? Why am I putting up with this? Why am I trying to extend kindness to this person who never seems to be kind back. Why am I doing this? Why am I going through that, God? And we, we could give up, but then you don't have the harvest. Because it's through the adversity, it's through those hard things that the Spirit is working and watering and, and, and God is doing something that he's bringing out a harvest. You don't just get Galatians 5. Man, I wish we did. It's like, I received Jesus, boom, love, joy, peace, patience. Like we'd all be walking around, you know, this maybe floating around and we'd be so perfect and holy. You don't get it. And you have to keep at it. The love I have today is not the love that I, I want. I want more, right? And let me be honest, where you are, God wants you to have more too. He wants you to have more love, joy, peace, patience. He wants you to resemble Jesus. And he wants it for you more than you want it for yourself. Let's be honest again. So don't grow weary. Don't give up on what God is doing in your life. Keep going. Keep working at it. And he says in verse 10, he says, don't give up because we'll have a harvest. And in verse 10, he says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. As we have opportunity, that just means don't let the moments pass you by. Don't let them slip by. We all do. We have opportunities and we just don't take them. Paul says, as you have opportunity, as you have this put in front of you by God, like grab hold of it, do it. It may not be the easiest thing, but he says, as you have opportunity, be the hands, the feet, the mouth of the king in the kingdom. As you have opportunity and you are the hands, feet, and mouth of the king in the kingdom, you will see the kingdom of God manifest in your life and in the lives of others. He says, 
keep doing good. And especially, watch out for your brothers and sisters, especially those who are of the household of faith. And they don't just have to be brothers and sisters in this room. Those who bear the name Jesus are your brothers and sisters. Watch out for them, care for them, encourage them. And God will lead us in different ways to do that. But, God, but Paul says, as you have opportunity, take the opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. All right, how many of you guys homeschooled kids and made them read all the missionary biographies? <laughs> Just me, okay. So anyway, in those missionary biographies, man, they're amazing. Like you're just seeing these awesome things that people did for the Lord. You're just like, how did they do that? Like, oh my goodness, like, man, I want faith like that. I want to have that. We all, we, we get there, right? We have the, I wants. We like a little kid in the, in the toy store. I want, I want, I want. I read those missionary biographies and I'm like, I want that in my life. How do you do that? You take every opportunity. Just, <laughs> okay, I wrote a paper in seminary on William Carey. William Carey's noning for trudging. They just trudge through life. We just keep trudging. He, he had a very, very hard ministry in India. But God used him in very powerful ways. And I was reading this, and his, this, this is him right here. Do not grow weary. Keep doing good. In time there will be a harvest. And God brought a great harvest through William Carey. And his thing was, we just keep moving with the Lord. We just keep on. We just keep going. Why? Because God's going to bring a harvest, and he does. How do, you, how do you see all this? You take the opportunity. How do you have that awesome life that's in books that people want to hear about? You take every opportunity. If you start taking every opportunity in our local community and your relationships, imagine what Somerset New Richmond, Osceola, Holton, all the way down to Hudson, all the way across. Imagine what our communities would look like if the people in this room just said, I'm going to take every opportunity for Jesus. As he gives it to me, I'm going to do it. Imagine how transformative that would be. It would be worthy of writing a book about and passing to my kids in homeschool. <laughs> I want us to think of the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23 says this. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So a sower goes out, throws seed, some falls on the path, some on the rocks, some in the thorns, some in a good field. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. 
So in this parable, Jesus is talking about the gospel being given and it's thrown broadly. It falls on the road, it falls in the rocky areas next to the field, it falls in the thorny areas that aren't cared for, and then it falls into the good field. And out of that parable, we see, well, only 25% come to receive it and actually have new life. I want us to look at this parable in a different way, though. I think, let's look at it this way. Everybody mentioned in this parable, let's, re- let's assume they've received the gospel, that they're born again. They love Jesus and they've received him. Now, let's look at these soils because I think it's reflective of each of our hearts and seasons that we go through. The first one is the hard heart on the road. You know, you're coming to church, you're doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do and things are hard in your life and maybe you've just become really hard yourself. Just become jaded a little bit. I don't know if God's good. Uh, you quit praying. You quit. You're, you're here, right? And someone gives you the good word, or it's in your community group, or it's in your 3D group, and they say, hey, brother, and then all of a sudden, you're like Superman. You know, he's standing there like that, and the guy shoots the gun, and it's like, and the word just bounces right off. You're like, nope, not going to hurt me, you know? You have that hard heart. It's not getting in. Satan doesn't want you to have it either, so he comes and snatches it away. So that's one soil that we could have. We go through seasons where we're hard, don't we? I mean, let's, let's be honest. God sees you. <laughs> you know, We go through seasons where we're hard, and people tell us the truth, and I'm like, I don't want to hear that. You know? The other one is the rocky. We go through spiritual seasons where we're just like, yeah, I like that teaching. Ooh, I really, there was a time where like, I loved listening to Alistair Begg because anything with an accent like that, it just has to be true. You know, <laughs> you know he'd talk about the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm like, I want to be born again, you know. <laughs> And we have that, don't we? Like, we hear the Bible, we hear good preaching, good teaching. We're like, yes, yes, I want that, I want that. And then you go to work, and they're like, you believe that stuff? Or don't talk to that guy. Like, he's going to just want to be like that. He prays about all this, you know? Or you go somewhere else, and you get persecution. Or your family starts kicking back. Oh, grandma's the religious nut. Here she goes again, you know, or whatever. And all of a sudden you find that you're kind of on the outside of the group. And you don't like that. It's like, I lost my friends. I lost my influence. I lost what was happening in my life. It's like this Jesus has really cost me. And so we kind of shrink back. We're like, you know, I'll just tone it down. Now, I just used outside examples. You know what? We do that in the church, too. You have a young man, young woman on fire for the Lord. They're like, I just want, hey, let's do this. Let's Bible do And they're just excited. And they just want to do everything. And they want to, let's serve. Let's go out. Let's go do this. And, and they just want to do all that they can for the Lord. And what do you do? Like, hey, 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 hey. Calm down, man. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Who just said a marathon? <laughs> Somebody heard it. Yeah. It's a marathon, man. Like, calm your zeal down. And we squash each other in the church, too. Man, if you're on fire for Jesus, be on fire for Jesus. 
does he say in Revelation? I would rather you be hot or cold, but as you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You know what? He doesn't want a lukewarm church. He wants a church on fire. So we back off, and what do we do? We have persecution, and so we have fear of man, and it's rocky soil, and we, and we kind of just let that happen, and it just back off. The third one is the thorny. It's the thorny ground, and that's the world, and we get distracted. We get out in the world, and hey, hey, I heard the gospel, and I love Jesus, and I'm doing church and everything, but you know what? I have this opportunity for this great job, but it's going to take a lot of hours, and but, you know, it is providing for my family. So we start justifying things, and we start getting, but really what's happening is we're getting distracted. It could start in a good direction. It could be good in and of itself. It may not even be bad, but we get distracted with it. The world has a lot of shiny objects to get our attention, to pull us away. And the, the, the cares of the world and, and the different things happening distract us, and it chokes out what God's doing in us. So in those first three soils, we're not getting Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's, it's being muted or it's just not even there. But what's, what's God want? What's Paul saying he wants? The last one, this good soil, tilling up the ground, tilling up our heart, the fallow ground, making it ready to receive from God, making that good word that someone plants in there take root Paul says in verse 11, look at these letters at which I'm writing. I, I care for you. I love you. I want you to have this in your life. I want you to have more Jesus in your life. What happens sometimes is this. How many of you ever go out and buy seed packets when it's that time of year? And you still have them because you hadn't put them in the ground. <laughs> Anybody? Yep. Okay. Thank you. The flowers get planted. Those are easy. Good, you know, like, but it's like, I got watermelon, I got cucumbers, I got zucchini, I got, you know, whatever, name it. I got a great garden in little paper packets in my garage right now. It's just, we have to actually take that seed and put it in soil. We have, we have a paper packet right here full of really good seed. And God says, take this seed and plant it in your heart. Put this in good soil. We're like, ah, you know, a little hard, a little rocky, a little thorny. He says, no, break up the fallow ground. Take this good seed and put it into your heart, and you'll have a harvest, a harvest of righteousness, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Put that into good ground. And then share with the one who gave you the seed what God's doing and encourage them and you be encouraged. See verses 12 and 13, he says, these people that are among you, they don't love you, they're controlling you. He says, it's those who want to make good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not uh, be persecuted for the cross of Christ. In verse 13, he says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So he's saying these others that have shown up, they're forcing you. 
you have to do it like this. You must look this way. You must hold this doctrine in this way. You have to check the boxes the way I check the boxes. I may not even do it myself, but this is what it looks like. This is what you must do. This is how you must behave. Now, they're Judaizers, so they're saying you must be Jewish. You must keep the laws. To be a Christian, you have to become Jewish first. And they're teaching law over grace, and Paul uses this whole book to say it's not about the law. The law teaches us that we need grace, and then we fulfill the law because we've been transformed by grace. He says they are telling you the only way to God is to keep the law and do it this way, and they beat you over the head with it. They're controlling. That's not a loving relationship. He says these people, they're, they're, this is spiritual abuse. This is control. They don't want to lead the people to the abundant life that Jesus has. These men want influence and power. They want to boast over the people that they have following them, the the size of their following, the control that they have, the influence that they have. That's what they're about. He says, they're boasting in you because you have given yourself to them. And they're saying, look at all my people. They do as I say, and I'm right. You know, why wouldn't they? And Paul's saying, they're, they're not teaching you grace. They're not leading you to Jesus. They're controlling you. He says, it's not about them. And Paul even says, it's not about me. Verse 14, he says, what? But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He says, where's the boast? In the end of the day, It's not in the teacher. It's not having that right leader. It's not belonging to the right church in the right town. It's not ticking the right theological boxes. Now, don't get me wrong. Theology matters. If we have wrong understanding of the Savior, we're not saved. There's things that matter. But we get distracted and we can get pulled into subgroups and secondary and tertiary things get elevated to ultimate things and they're not ultimate things. And Paul says, you know, those things, you don't have to tick those boxes that way. He's like, those don't matter. He says, belonging in these ways, like these men are trying to control you and manipulate you. He says, this is not what we're boasting in. Our boast is in Jesus Our boast is that Jesus at the cross took our sin. He overcame death. He rose on the third day so that we too may be raised. And he made us to be born again. And we're no longer children of wrath, but children of God. And the life we live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That's the boast. That's the boast. He's like, so when someone says, what's going on in your life? You're like, Jesus saved me. (laughs) He went to the cross and forgave me. He's transforming me. This is what Jesus did. That's the boast. What's going on in your life is the boasting in Christ. Not in the teacher, not in the church, not in all the good works, not in the things. He says, it's in Jesus Verse 15, he says, neither circumcision counts for anything or uncircumcision, but a new creation. This world and all its splendor has become dead to us if we are in Jesus. It should become dead to us. 
and we should become dead to it. We should look as a foreigner into this land. Why? Because we're living in a different kingdom for a different king. We have different values. We have different thoughts, different worldview. The things of this world, as Paul says, have been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. We're dead to each other. If we don't live for this world or play religious games, we live for Christ and we work for the king and the kingdom. And this is all in relationship. I mean, look at this. The boasting of 14, what does that, what does that ultimately do? It gives you relationship with God. Paul says, why am I writing this letter? Because of a relationship with you, my love for you. All of this is in community and relationship. Community with God, community with each other. It all goes back to Jesus and the greatest commandment. Love God, love people. Verse 16, he says, and as for all who walk by this rule, what rule? The boasting in Christ rule. (laughs) All who live by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. What is the rule? Boasting in Christ. Live in that rule. If you get up every day and you're saying, God, thank you for another breath. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the work that you've done in my life. Thank you for the grace and the mercy and the kindness you've shown me. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing. When I set my mind there, Romans 12, 1, when I changed my thinking and set my mind there and I'm boasting in Christ, it changes the whole outlook of the day. It changes the whole outlook of that circumstance, that moment. And he says, when we're living that way, by that rule, by boasting in Christ then we have a blessing of peace and mercy. And here he says that that blessing and mercy is upon the Israel of God. Now he uses this because of the Judaizers. He's not talking about the church replacing the people of God. Some people would use it that way about replacement theology. And I'm not gonna get into all of that. What he's saying here is by faith, all of us come. Jew and Gentile. By faith we come, and those who come are children of Abraham, because that was the promise given to him in Genesis 12, that he would be a father of a great nation, and that that number could not be counted. And that extends to Jews and Gentiles. We are grafted in as Gentiles into the promise that he has given to Israel. And so here he says, the true Israel God are those who truly come and see Jesus as Messiah. By faith, they have come. It's not about keeping the law. That doesn't make you a true Jew of Israel. It's Jesus that makes you true. It's faith. It's coming and receiving what God has done. So he says, no longer, verse 17, from now on, uh, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He says, no longer am I going to be troubled by these guys or anyone else. He says, I have suffered as Christ has suffered. I love him. I know him. I know my standing in him. You know him. You love him. And you know your standing in him. Let no one trouble you any longer. Yes, in this world we will have trouble, but Christ has overcome this world. It's guaranteed we're going to have trouble. Jesus said we would. He says, I've suffered as Christ has suffered, I bear those marks, but let no one bother me anymore, for I am in him. And I have these marks that, that show that he is mine and I am his. 
He says, so the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. So Paul says, I have suffered as Christ has suffered, and I'm standing in the grace of Jesus. May that grace be yours as well. May you stand in the grace of Jesus, and may that minister to your soul. The grace of Jesus. Boast in Christ. Go by that rule, and you'll feel the grace of Jesus in your soul the mercy of God to you, the love, the steadfast kindness and love of God to you if you boast in Christ and that rule. So as we close this book, we want to respond. That's the point, right? Why do we read this? To get a good nugget here and there and go home and say, hey, I heard something, I'm going to put it up on Facebook. Here's a little quip. Pastor Rob got it, and I'm sure it's not his because it's too smart. (laughs) What's the point? Why do we do this right here? To encourage one another, to hear from the Lord through the Spirit, to hear through his word, to take this seed and the planet, and to respond. Why do we have the prayer people up here every week? It's so you have an opportunity to respond. As was shared by our sister, just how her faith has grown in community, your faith grows in community. You need to respond. So here's some questions to help us think through the end of Galatians to respond. What stage is your field or your heart in right now? Where are you? Just take a quick evaluation. What's your ground look like? You know. Spirit knows. What fruit needs to mature right now? You know, when I look at my garden and I see it's like, oh, a couple more weeks and that's going to be ready. Oh, this one's ready tomorrow. This one's ready right now. Oh, that one's overripe, you know. What is God doing in your life? What fruit is he growing? Is he maturing? So what fruit needs to mature right now? What area is he working in? What part of Galatians 5 do you really sense that the Spirit is saying, I got my finger on this attribute, and I want you to grow in this one? So then what needs to happen to bring about that harvest? So as you examine the soil, as you see what the Holy Spirit's doing, he's saying, to make this happen, do this. What is that? What what step would God have you take? What needs to change in your life to bring about that harvest, to bring about the maturing of that fruit? Maybe you're weary. We were talking about that earlier. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you have been going through some really hard things. Share that with somebody. Say, hey, I'm weary, and here's why. Here's what I've been walking through. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's where I need prayer. Here's where I need encouragement. Here's where I need someone to serve me and my family. Here's where we have need. Like, I'm growing weary. I'm about to give up. Don't give up. God gave you all these people to help you so you don't have to give up that they can minister to you and encourage you and be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus to you. What encouragement, help do you need to be strengthened again? Scriptures say to strengthen our feeble hands, our feeble knees and strengthen our weak hands, right? How do we do that? Going to God and going to each other. And here's an awesome thing. As we do that, as we share these things, as we get prayer for these things, as we see God working in these areas, those whom you go to today 
and, and, and share with and pray with and talk to and get advice from and counsel from, you know, as God puts good seed in your field, you can go back a week, months later and say, hey, here's the result. Here's the good harvest. Look what the Lord has done. And you can rejoice together. You can praise God together. So I'm going to pray. Our worship team's going to come up and lead us in worship. And maybe things are going well and, and you're just thinking about that principle, the, the boasting in God principle. Well, that's what that time of worship is. It's a time to respond. And it's also a time to respond to God that you can just worship him. Not just in this moment, but every time you gather. Worship by thanking Jesus for what he's done and what he's doing and just give him glory and praise for it. So responding to him in worship. Will you stand with me? I'll get out of your way. You can get right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Galatians. We thank you for how you love us and how good you are to us. And so in this moment, as we sing, as we sing, may we just reflect on Jesus and his goodness and his kindness towards us. And may we just exalt him. But as we think of those questions, maybe we just need to take this time while, while others are singing to go over to the side with somebody on the prayer team and just say, hey, pray for me. Here's what the Spirit was showing me about my heart, my field, my circumstance. Hey, I'm growing weary, whatever it may be. Or maybe they just want to share that good testimony and they want a brother or sister to hear it and just give a, a prayer of, of thanksgiving together. Whatever that response may be, may we feel at liberty to do that. You receive all of it at the same time. Everybody's thoughts are moving right now, God. It's an amazing thing. Everybody in this room can be thinking of something different, unless I say purple elephant. And you receive all of it. You hear all of it. Like you know each of us intimately, and we give thanks. So may we respond, Holy Spirit, May we move and respond to your goodness. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.